Hello everyone and welcome to a brand new episode of Front End Happy Hour. This is episode 39 and we are joined by Stefan Stumpfel, an iOS developer from LinkedIn. In today's episode, we will be discussing the popular iOS language Swift. Stefan, do you want to give us a brief introduction of who you are, what you do, and what your favorite happy hour beverage is? Yeah, sure. Thank you. Thank you for having me today here. Um, happy to be here. So yeah, my name is Stefan. I am actually from Austria. I just moved over here to San Francisco about a year ago. Uh, it was last year, October. Started working at LinkedIn as an iOS developer, and I'm on the same team as Derek now. We are working on the LinkedIn Learning app. And I'm doing mobile development since about six years, um, doing like writing apps for Apple since 2012, basically. So I have some experience with Objective-C as well as Swift. My favorite beverage is, that's probably boring because it's just beer. Um, <laughs> but I have to admit, I really got into sours over here since I'm in the US. Like I had tried my first sour beer like a year ago and it was, it was disgusting. I couldn't, I couldn't drink it at all. <laughs> but now it's one of, it became one of my favorite beers over here. It's great. I like it. That's awesome. In each episode of the Front End Happy Hour podcast, we like to choose a keyword that if the keyword is mentioned at all in the episode, we will all take a drink. What did we decide today's keyword is? Xcode. Xcode. All right, Xcode. So if any of us say the word Xcode, we will all take a drink. All right, well, let's get started. Let's start off by what is Swift? So Swift is the latest programming language introduced by Apple. I think it was announced at the WWDC 2014. And like I heard that um, the main, the leading engineer on it was Chris Ledna. I think many people are familiar with this name. He's working for, or he was working for Uber now. He started working on Swift, a uh, Tesla, sorry. He's he started working on Swift with his team around 2010, at least like that's what that's what uh, people what they were what they were um, telling. And yeah, it's supposed to be it's supposed to replace Objective-C um, sooner or later, I guess. Like it's still, I think many of Apple's own apps are still written in Objective-C. Many companies are still writing their apps in Objective-C, but still now, I, or now I guess Swift is at a, at a level where you could easily adapt it, where anybody starting a new app on any of Apple's platforms would just choose Swift as the main language to go with. Can you not have Swift and Objective-C in the same application? Like it doesn't have to be just Swift. Yeah, that's true. So they did a pretty good job at supporting both at the same application. It's still to a certain level, it can get annoying. Um, so it's way easier if you only have Swift to deal with as an engineer, as a developer, but it would be always possible to deal with both. And um, like, I think they did a really good job at supporting both. No, that makes sense. And like, I mean, context switching, like as an engineer, you're not wanting to write two different languages. You may as well just have one and everyone learns that and writes that one language. Yeah, totally. So why did they create Swift? Was it? people just hated Objective-C so much and they're just like, let's make a new language or? I think at least from from my perspective back then, like in 2013 or 14, like I didn't know that there is something like Swift coming and nobody of my friends back then who were like iOS engineers knew either. So it was something pretty, pretty exciting. And I guess like I never liked Objective-C. I came from, I came from a C perspective, but then I did mostly C sharp or Java and I felt like those languages are just more more abstract on a higher level and they are way more user-friendly, right, as a, for a developer. 
Yeah, I can think of like two reasons, and I don't know if they're correct, but um, one is it's uh, the type safety is is a lot more of a focus on Swift than is Objective C. So, a lot of like I think a lot of causes for crashes and stuff in Objective C is just or bugs in Objective C is just the fact that a lot of it's dynamic and a lot of it uses like I think like a lot of string literals yeah. to yeah totally and so um, you can get a lot of bugs and stuff like that so I think that was one thing I think the other thing that uh, I think we're going to talk about this later but I think the other thing that Apple seems like they're trying to do is really re- is really reaching like kids that, that are like new into programming and I think like Swift is like they're, uh, they're kind of like like a lot of what a lot of like the tools and stuff around Swift are seem to be built with that in mind so they have this thing called Playgrounds in Xcode cheers cheers <laughs> <laughs> They've um, playground so that you um, and it's it's pretty cool because it also supports Markdown and you can actually build like pages of documentation and training uh, uh, just through this playgrounds part of Xcode. So uh, maybe, maybe not that you. Oh. Cheers! <laughs> Cheers! Oh. You, uh, <laughs> couldn't do that before with Objective C, but I th- I think it's um, I, I don't know if that was if that was an incentive for them or not, but it seems like it's a focus. I think it's a lower barrier to get into. Yeah. Definitely, it a higher, a lot. yeah, it's a higher level language than Objective C. Does it, get, does it abstract more? Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. Like Objective C is, is way more on the level of C I would say. You have to deal with pointers and Swift. Yeah, like it abstracts this away for you. It's way easier to deal with. Yeah. I don't know if this is actually a true statement, but even looking at Swift, it reminds me a lot more of something coming from a JavaScript background. It does actually remind me more of JavaScript. And I even remember seeing an article saying that that was a reason for writing Swift is to be a little more like JavaScript. I don't yeah, think I mean, that's the case, but... Well, it's a new language, right? And so like, they're obviously going to take the best parts of, of what's popular, and yeah. JavaScript is extremely Huge, popular. Yeah. So um, like... Closures, for instance, I think they've taken that, that concept from JavaScript. Um, it didn't exist at all, I don't think, in Objective-C, right? There were blocks, which is basically wow. the same thing. It's just a different syntax. Okay. Um, I don't know about JavaScript too much, but yeah. I agree. They took like they took just but the best of many the programming languages, and, and, and I'm yeah. pretty sure JavaScript played a big role as well, yeah. Yeah, before I'd not heard good things about Objective-C. It was just like people had to learn it because it was iOS, things like that. But you wouldn't use it for any other language. Like you wouldn't use write any other software in Objective C other than iOS based stuff or yeah. Mac OS based stuff. Is yeah, Mac OS that's cool still? Thing. Well, that's a cool thing. I think this is another thing we're going to talk about later. But I think uh, we can talk about it now. Swift. They're really trying, especially since it's open source. I mean, that's a big difference between uh, Objective C too, right? So, so now uh, um, uh, even the, yeah. So now people can write the, the, the write apps that that uh, there's um, server side Swift that is um, I think IBM and what's the there's a couple of big companies that are like behind um, server-side Swift frameworks that you can actually write a web server in Swift. Um, there was like rumor that maybe it would eventually make it on Android. I don't know. If it, I mean, they just announced a new language, so I guess that's not going to happen now. But um, but yeah, it's cool that it's possible for for that to happen. Which Objective C that wasn't possible. That's that's pretty awesome. Yeah, I think. I mean, I don't know if you've ever written any gem like Objective C. Nope. It scared me. I remember my first like time looking at it. It was well, I wanted. It's like oh, I want to build. I, like iOS came out in the App Store, like back on the first iPhone or second, whatever the App Store came out, and I'm like, oh man, I want to write apps. And I wrote like something really small, and like it was so so hard to get up and running on Xcode and Objective C. It was not fun. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> yeah, I had the same experience. Like I. So I've been doing web development for my whole career, so I have no experience outside of that building, you know, like native apps and and that kind of thing. But I did, I took this like 
uh, workshop to like learn Objective C, build like a Hello World app. And I was like, oh my God, it took us six hours to do Hello World. Why is this so hard? I could just, uh, five seconds in JavaScript. So, like, I had. In, in a browser, you just throw that up. Yeah. You don't and need I was all like, this. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. But I'm sure there's like, there was a lot, there were a lot more benefits to it than, than That's what's cool, too, about the, the playground, not to harp on the playgrounds, but the playgrounds are really cool because you don't even need to create a new app. You can just open up an Xcode. App called Xcode. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> And get started immediately like i mean you can do network you can try out like network requests like you can do anything you could do in a normal app and it's super easy to get started so why did like stefan and derek why did they go with objective c because it's literally the only like at the time it was the only company using objective c for anything so why did they use that as their language Objective C was basically built by Apple, right? Uh, so it was still back then when it was called Next Systems, I think. Ah. Um, that's why, like most of the classes in Objective C in or in their Cocoa framework, were prefixed with NS. And like I think it was even built in parallel parallel with C So it's like a long time ago. That's what they built, and for sure you would use your own language then. And I guess like after many many years, they realized it's not like state of state of the art anymore, and they should come up with something new and yeah, easier. Yeah. Well, and they, and they were doing it for Mac for a while. I guess it, like we keep talking about iOS, but they were doing it for Mac a lot as yeah. well. So it was like being used for like Objective C was being used for Mac, and so they're like, oh well, iOS, let's do the same thing. I'd be interested too, like as especially like Stefan, you've been writing Objective C and writing Swift. What are some of the differences between the two? So many things are actually still the same thing, right? It's still based on the C runtime, so that's the reason why you can work with. Swift, Objective-C, or any other C language uh, in the same project. Um, it still supports automatic reference counting, meaning there is no no garbage collection. Um, like There are many, many similar things, and I think mostly the new things are it's way simpler, it's way easier to use to try, really try to get rid of of things in a language which just you don't really need, right? Being it like a sem sem semicolons or parentheses and all those things. Um, it's way safer to use. It's like type safe or like it's strongly typed. Um, it supports type inference from the compiler, which means you never have to deal with types actually anymore. You can't make any mistakes. Um, one huge thing is optionals, I would say. Like optionals exist in Java, I think. They did exist in C Sharp, but real or back then barely any people were using it. And now it helps you just get getting rid of any null point exceptions. You wouldn't see them in Swift anymore at all. Um, because you never, you basically always know if something is null or can be null. Yeah, the other things, Derek, what, do you, what would you say? Um, no, but uh, coming from JavaScript to Swift, the no semicolons and the no parentheses is... Uh, <laughs> do you like that or did I not? mean, I'm used to it now. It doesn't matter. No, but at first, like, like, I feel like that would bother me at first. I would probably always be adding them. I was always adding yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, Stefan does from my, my pull request. <laughs> Do they have the, like, the equivalent in like JavaScript land of like linters that'll be like, use the semicolon, you should probably not use it. You mean in Xcode? Yeah, um, in Xcode, cheers. <laughs> <laughs> They do, but they're not super. I, Apple, I guess it's it's um, in the newest newest version of that application. <laughs> <laughs> what application? Do you mean Xcode? Cheers. <laughs> yeah, the latest version. I, I guess they've opened up a lot uh, more in the, but in the um, ability to like build add-ons and stuff. But right now, it's or previously, it's been pretty bad. So my point is, there's there is linters, but they're I think they're not great. 
compared to at least compared to like ESLint and stuff uh, in JavaScript, like that's much more robust than what you can get. In. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I've also heard that Swift is a lot slower to build. Are you guys finding that between like Objective C and Swift? Uh, for your build time, just a bit. It's the worst thing, I guess. But it's like yeah. that's probably not Swift. The Swift fault. That's probably Xcode then, right? Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> but is it Xcode though? Cheers. If if it's I hate you. I guess it's both. But because it's, like you're saying, Objective C is getting built through it as well. So is it Objective C that's faster yeah. or? I, I guess you're right. I guess it's probably both to a, to, to a certain level. Um, so they're definitely making improvements at com on a compiler level to to deal with issues they're seeing with Swift compiling. So for projects at scale, I think we have like really big problems building Swift, even with our code, code base, which is still way less than the flagship app. But like for their code base, it's on a, on a 15 inch MacBook, it takes about half an hour to build the project, which is yeah. that's ridiculous. That's crazy. Like, especially coming from a JavaScript world where we're like, we don't deal with that. Yeah, like they recently sent a survey out to iOS developers at LinkedIn. And I would say that like, everyone would prefer to prefer, I mean, let's say 99% of people would probably prefer to write Swift over Objective-C. But when you add in the the build time problems, then that's when that percentage drops. That, I mean, I, that's mean I think costly. there's still a larger that, percentage of people that still would rather write Swift and even deal with that. For sure. But yeah, I mean, that's that's the, the, the definitely the, the breaking point. for. I know Apple's also talked in like uh, this year's WWDC is they've actually talked about that they're speeding that up. Oh, they, yeah. I mean, they're very aware of that's what's cool. And it's cool that it's open source now. So like anyone can help contribute to yeah. this and, and where, you know, um, the compiler is open source. So like you have the ability to, to, to fix it. It's just, it's just going to take time. Is that a, like, is, that's not an average build time. Like I'm guessing that's a build time for a fairly complex app. Yeah, like yeah. the flagship app, it's it's huge. Like it's probably one of the bigger apps using Swift, and we are also in contact with Apple to helping them, like reporting issues, helping them to improve this. I'd um, say average, more average is probably like four to five minutes, maybe. Like, and that's a clean build. Like that's right. You wouldn't always do a clean build, but yeah, I guess on average you would wait like five minutes. For smaller for smaller projects, it's not a problem at all, right? It would build within like a few seconds or minutes, and it's fine. You wouldn't even like. Yeah, I was curious. Not yeah, a big deal. Size of like. Code base yeah, I mean, coming from like coming from from web to to iOS, it's it's different because it's like you would think like oh, if I have to wait five minutes for the web page to reload after I make a change, oh, you know, obviously yeah. that would never be able to do my job. But obviously, you have the compiler to help you out with a lot of stuff, so you can write code for a lot longer than what you can write JavaScript normally, right? Because you can you can get a you, you know that you're not making mistakes as you go, right? Um, I think it's only a pain when you're doing a lot of UI work and you're dealing with like. Um, laying like Small layouts and stuff like that that you actually need to see. You don't have the compiler helping you in that case. So um, Apple has uh, or uh, Xcode has uh, Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> the concept of a storyboard, um, which is kind of their version of CSS and um, you know constraints and stuff um, that you can to, to lay everything out. Um, you can visualize it somewhat on the storyboard, but sometimes you have to build the app to like, you know, figure out what's actually happening. And then that it can be annoying if you have to wait a couple of minutes every time you make a change. So, so does Swift make it easier to build UI or does that not matter? The, like the language that matters more. It does to a certain level. Like if you do it in an interface builder where you have basically a graphical interface to uh, compose your UI, it doesn't matter. But if you would sell, if you would do any code, it's getting easier with Swift just because the language is easier to write. Yeah. I think what you mentioned, Derek, is a really, really big point. Like, 
if you just keep on writing code without executing it once, without even building, like with Swift, for me, it was, I think when we had our hack day, I was coding for like four hours without trying it ever because it wasn't possible. You just built some, some backend stuff. You didn't write tests for it. It was just a hack. And in the end, it wouldn't crash at all, right? It just works. So mm -hmm. I've never had this with Objective-C or any other C language. You would write some code for a few minutes, then you start it, you, you build and execute, and it would just crash, and you will find issues. But it's it's super safe, right? It's like strongly typed. The compiler will tell you everything. The compiler tells you about every problem. It's really hard to actually make it crash by null point exceptions or similar things. That's that's super useful. Honestly, getting those like response to the errors like right away is huge. Yeah. I guess like so some of the good parts like we've already mentioned some of them being able to have it strongly typed. Um, optionals. I think optionals are probably the the number one. And what feature. what are optionals? Stefan explained it a little bit, but it's it's essentially you if if something is an optional, you know whether or not that has the um, that could be null or not. So like it's just it's it's more readable. Um, you yeah you don't have the null pointer exceptions that you would in in Java. So like you can tell right away and like so it essentially the compiler forces you to what they call unwrap an optional. So um, basically like you have to put it in a conditional that says if this is not nil essentially then give me this but you know like and then if you if you try to use a value that is not an optional and it, it um you know the, the whole app would just crash right away so you just have that safety so we've talked about some of the good things but like what are some of the pain points i mean we talked about slow build time i think that's probably sounds like one of the biggest ones but what are some other pain points that you've had jumping to swift whether it's maybe it is from javascript but or even from objective c i think for us, or for me, it's mostly the process of migrating things. So when we started working with Swift, it was kind of early, and I would say even within the first two or three years. For Swift, it's early, and like from Swift 1 to 2, and then from 2 to 3, it was probably the biggest step. They made a lot, like the most changes which were breaking, and you had to, to do a big migration process. So I think that was the biggest pain point, but that's something which is a thing of the past. Like right now they're working on Swift 4, which won't to introduce mostly, like there are still some breaking changes, but it's minor and it's mostly fix every bit auto migration. Um, so I think those things are resolved and I wouldn't, I wouldn't see any issues regarding other languages I've worked with. Um, which Swift actually still has. Well, I think that's, that's a common thing you'll deal with anyways. Like if you're migrating to another language, it's, I mean, that takes work. It doesn't really matter. It's not really necessarily something for Swift or Objective-C. It's like any language that you're migrating to, It's that takes time to actually do that migration. Yeah, I think the difference, though, is that you're is that it's a new language so there's lots of when you're migrating even the same like when you like stefan said when you're migrating from swift 2 to swift 3 there's lots of breaking changes there was a lot i, mean, I do took, remember it seeing took us that. what yeah. like a month to to migrate um uh, and we have a pretty small app so um yeah i think that's definitely challenging and apple kind of forces you to do that like you're you you essentially have no option. I mean, you have somewhat of a somewhat of breathing room and time, but like if you don't migrate to the latest version of Swift, you're not going to be able to use. You're not you're, you're not going to be able to to build for the latest version of the OS, which is terrible too. Yeah. Which is kind so of scary. <laughs> that is actually one of my pullbacks on it. And I know we've even said Objective C is a pretty like Apple heavy thing, anyways. But tied to Apple and Apple yeah. controls everything. In a way, though, I, I will just to play devil's advocate a little bit. I will say it is kind of nice that you're forced to do that especially in a larger company where like when I was on web, you know, we were Ember and we, it was very hard to convince product and, and stakeholders that 
we needed to upgrade to version of Ember. So like, at least when you have like an actual, like you have to upgrade this, at least you can keep your, and it's, it's to your advantage to keep your, I mean, even for developer happiness, but for other reasons too, to keep, to keep up to date. So like you're forced to, so it's oh, kind of like good leverage. Yeah. Take, take advantage <laughs> of the new features. Yeah. It's like, well, guess what? That's only available yeah. in Swift 4. You're on Swift 3. Well, I try to like allocate time to upgrade Ember and they're like, okay, why do you need to upgrade Ember? Well, because of this maybe security issue, but you know, it's like, you know, you try to like re- grasp for straws, you know, yeah. but, but if you say, well, we're not going to be able to support the latest version of the, of the OS, if we don't upgrade, then, you know, you have a lot more leverage. I'm curious about this with like, cause I've never done native development. If let's say you're a big company, you have like a suite of apps and you all need to, them to look sort of similar. And in the web area, you can, in theory, you know, develop some sort of like componentized system yeah. that has like, you can consume this component and it has like the same look and feel. How does that work in the native and like the object objective yeah. C or Swift world? Like, is there something similar? Very similar. Yeah. yeah. You, you can, you have components, which are, you know, probably a, a class or something and then you know, an associated view. Um, and you can package those up into CocoaPods, which is as equivalent of NPM. CocoaPods. That's a better, <laughs> such a better name than NPM. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. It's almost <laughs> the exact same, which is nice. Wait, so Derek, having, having written both, what do you prefer? Write JavaScript or write Swift? I'm really liking Swift. Uh, really? Yeah. Hmm. You've given up on the JavaScript. <laughs> <laughs> Let's kick them off front and half the hour. I don't come from a, uh, I, don't, I, I didn't go to school for computer science, and I have, this is really the first time I'm working in a language that has a compiler and that, you know, is, 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 is type, has type safety and all that stuff. So, I mean, it's different. For, so maybe I'm still in the honeymoon stage, <laughs> um, but I really like It's been, what, a year now? Yeah. Yeah, it's I think you're past the honeymoon phase okay, at that good. point. Right, yeah. good, good. I think it's actually it's getting better. Like you have like whatever issues we faced, they're mostly they're resolved with the latest with the latest Xcode, it's getting better and better to to work with Swift to Cheers. Swift. So. Cheers. So I think like I don't think there are many things to complain about the language anymore. Um, it was a great idea to open source it for sure. Absolutely, I think uh, that was one of the best ideas that they had was actually make it available yeah, open source. Well, and it's like an unusual thing for Apple, right? It's that is not something that normally happens from Apple. It was a really great. smart move. Is it that Swift is getting better or Xcode is getting better to work Both. with Swift? Um, so cheers. 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 Oh, cheers. <laughs> when they introduced Swift like App uh, Xcode. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) And Objective-C worked pretty well, but then with Swift there were like probably so many new things, right? I wouldn't even know, like I don't have that deep knowledge, but um, it didn't really work that good with with Swift anymore. And now they're catching up since Xcode 6, they're improving and improving and... Cheers. Cheers. Someone cut him off. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, the latest one is really looks really good. It's still beta, it's, but it's, it looks great. Like, they made a lot of improvements. So, and obviously, like LinkedIn, large company, is using Swift. Should companies be jumping on the bandwagon of Swift? Like, is it ready as a language that other companies, large companies, should be jumping on it? Yes. Yeah, I agree. And what, so, how would you convince them of, hey, you should be using this versus like someone who, like there's a lot of apps out there that are Objective-C. Why would they migrate to Swift? Yeah, I mean, we were, I guess we were, in, in LinkedIn was in a, in somewhat of a convenient where we rewrote, um, like our UI completely changed as well. So like we rewrote everything, web included. Um, so I guess it, that was kind of an advantage, right? We were already building a new app and, 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 uh, so we could, so like, if you don't have that flexibility, I, yeah, I don't know. 
I don't know how you justify it, I guess, to answer your question. But I think the other thing, though, that maybe you could use to justify is is the ramp up time for people that are new, especially people that are coming from like from my own experience, people that are coming from web or, or other or Android or back end or whatever, you know, and I think it's Swift is much easier to pick up than than I would assume than Objective-C is. Yeah, I agree. Like it's more similar to other languages which are like very, very popular right now. So it's easier to, easier to pick up. I also think even for people who would like, as for myself, even for people who would like to develop or who would know how to develop in Objective-C, they would still prefer doing it in Swift. And I wouldn't know if I still want to go back to do Objective-C because I just love writing code in Swift, right? Um, so I think to attract like good developer and and like a lot of good developer, it's probably really important to be always to always work with the latest and greatest. Especially as more companies are adapting it, right? So like you're, you work for a company like us who is writing in Swift, you're going to essentially miss out on I mean, not not us because we're not that good. But like, if there's somebody that was good, <laughs> you would miss out on that good talent. <laughs> well, I mean, I shouldn't say that. Do you I'm, find I'm that good, like, the, good. like let's put the build aside, like build time aside, because we we said that's a little bit slower. But is do you find your development time faster writing in Swift versus Objective C? Because I think to me that would be a big selling point for an entire team to switch. Is can you be more productive? So. Let's, you know, if we can fix the build time issue, that might be a big thing that's coming later. But if you can develop a lot quicker, like, do you find that? Is there a difference in that? I think, yeah, I think that's totally true. You need less code. You, it's easier to onboard new people. You need less code. It's more clean, more readable, which means it's also more maintainable. Um, it's way less error prone, which means you would introduce way less bugs. So in the, in the long run, it's really hard to compare, right? You might lose some time because there are certain issues at the beginning while writing code, when compiling, when recompiling all the time. But then in the long run, I think you would definitely win. Like you would, it will take you less time to write good software. So that's coming from like the web side of things. If you do like responsive design, you can kind of write like sort of one set of code that like will adapt itself to different screen sizes. If you are writing Swift, do you, and this is absolutely my like ignorance of writing native apps, do you have to write two code bases to do something for like a smartphone size and then like an I, iPad size? Or is it one set of code that kind of adapts itself? Yeah. No, it's a good question. Um, it's so It doesn't really matter for for the language actually that's baked in in Xcode in, in the uh, Cocoa, Cocoa library. And there is like this concept of constraints, which means you would always design respective to, like not specifically to one size, you would always use constraints, which would adapt based on the screen size. Meaning you would, and you would mostly do this in an interface builder. You would just use like a graphical user interface to, to compose your user interface, define those constraints, and it will then adapt to different sizes. So that's pretty easy, but that's, the same concept with Objective-C and Swift, it didn't, it didn't change at all, actually. Oh, interesting. Does the mobile team at, at LinkedIn know multiple languages? Because I find that's increasingly common. Like, if you do Swift, you probably do some Android as well. Is that true, or are you, you guys, like, exclusive? Um, we, like, we wouldn't switch teams all the time. There are definitely some people who would have done Android and they do um, iOS, but for our teams, there are iOS engineers and there are, there are Android engineers, and we don't really switch. Um, this doesn't mean you wouldn't know anything else, but you are mostly bound to this role. Yeah, I think that's an interesting question, though. I, I've heard that it's even come up on our team, and I just, I, I'm not 
my opinion, I don't agree with it. I think that you, I think you can do it, uh, but I think it, it's the same problem I have with a full stack engineer in that, like, you, you, sure, you can, you can know both both uh, Android and iOS and backend and whatever, but like, you're not going to be an expert um, at at the intricacies of the platform, and there's so many things that are so Apple specific and are so Google specific. And I think it's just, you know, so maybe you can have, maybe you can have a balance. Maybe, I, you know, maybe there's, there's some people on a team that are, that are specific iOS and they're like the experts and they're the ones making sure that the code that gets into the repo is, is what it should be. And then, you know, there's some that can like go back and forth to like be that, like, I don't know what you call that person, but, um, but yeah, I just, I don't know. Maybe it's just something that I just haven't agreed with. And it's the same thing. I think it's, it's, uh, exists on web where you have like somebody that goes from databases to writing CSS. It's like, it... yeah, I get what you're saying. If there were a universal language, like say Kotlin becomes the newest thing or Swift for Android becomes the newest thing, would that help? Like, would that make it easier to? Well, do you think that would ever happen? Is Swift becoming something for? Android? I guess the best the yeah. the best example would be like something like React Native. Yeah. You know? um, but. I just don't think it's going to happen. Like it, it's we've been we've been faced with this problem for for decades, right? Like PC and Mac are like the best examples, and like that, that's been the problem forever. Um, now it's a problem on mobile, but it's the same problem that we've had for for a long time. And um, just I don't I don't know that it's there's you know even with something like I played I've dabbled in React Native and it's cool and it's it's great for some things like if you're if you're writing a, a this, I mean, this we could do a whole episode on React Native, but if you're writing an app that's, uh, you know, like a, like a, for an agency or something, you just need to get something quick across web, uh, Android and iOS, then React Native's great. But if you're trying to do something really immersive, you just you have to go native, I think. But. Yeah, the hybrid hybrid mobile story seems to be like fairly low interactivity is fairly fine. Like yeah, it's just you have like, a you have a middleman, so like yeah. you're you're dependent on that middleman to to and especially since Apple's changed, especially with Swift, you know, Apple's changing things so frequently that it's just really hard to keep. So there's a good example is like React Native if Swift decides to add some new feature, well, React Native is another library that has to now build on top of that. Like they have to say, oh, well, Swift and Objective-C support this new feature. Well, React Native doesn't at this point, so they have to add that in. You may actually have to wait, and that could hurt you or your business of not being able to take advantage of that feature right away. So I can yeah, I see mean, some advantages of being full native at that clearly point. Clearly there's issues if Facebook hasn't even written their app in React Native. I mean, they I have, know they have parts like, of it, I mean, they, but like they most of their use, apps. They use React yeah, Native. Yeah, but most, most of their native app is not React Native. I think only the uh, events or the, it's the events part and the groups part, but like the so, uh, the, the maybe maybe not events, but uh, groups is probably one of their lowest trafficked uh, <laughs> parts. And, well, and I think like yeah, I don't want to get into too much on React Native because you're right, we could probably do a full episode on React Native. But I think there's you one nice thing is you can leverage something like Swift or Objective C, or if you're on the Android side, you can use Java with react native yeah that's cool. that is cool it's also another library that you're adding to your download size like that 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 can be a problem too yeah which is a problem especially lately there's been some i don't know if you saw the the i think actually you shared on twitter maybe recently about like app, app binary sizes and yeah it's um, craziness i i saw this this uh story about how this guy did his research on like all of his apps and all his upgrade all the upgrades or all the updates on on his phone and it was something like 10 gigs of data in a, in a month of just app updates, you know, 
um, which is crazy. Like, especially if you're doing that over cellular, a lot of people don't even have 10 gigs of data. I propose the question of like, does it prevent someone from downloading or upgrading? Like, does that, do they look at that and say, hey, this is 100 megs or this is 50 megs? Like, does that matter? Like, do, do, does it prevent someone from downloading your app? If yeah. it does, that's a big deal. I know like just recently at LinkedIn, um, our flagship app um, just went over 100 megs and it was a huge thing, right? Like everyone, literally they sent out an email saying, this work is more important than anything else you're doing drop all other work and like this is this is a huge like we have to yeah, get yeah. this under 100 because i guess i assume that's backed on research that would indicate that it, it is uh you know people will not download your app because that's when the threshold 100 megabytes just so everyone is clear the 100 megabytes is where the um threshold exists where apple won't let you download the app over it will ask you to go over wi-fi uh, yeah. yeah i like i know we don't want to talk about react native but it's it's like hard to get a good gauge of like should we use React Native or not? Because no offense to the native teams, like they're against it, but like it's kind of your job to be against it because it's your job to write native apps. So it's like, like I totally support. If you're like, we can write Swift for websites, I'd be like, hell no, man, JavaScript. We know that, like we know it backwards and forward. But Derek, like I think you're in a good spot, and Stefan too. Like, is it worth doing? Or you're saying like native all the way? It's not worth doing React Native, or yeah, like what about PhoneGap and what about Cordova. Yeah. Like, I think those ones have always been hard. Like those are good examples where to me, like React Native is a, in a whole different ball game of a lot closer to native development. Yeah. Well, it compiles to a binary, whereas PhoneGap doesn't. To me, like PhoneGap and Cordova is a lot similar to like just writing to a web view. So loading your uh, HTML, JavaScript through a web view and and that will work and that, but it is a lot slower whereas react native is a lot closer to the native layer i actually shameless plug i wrote a blog post about this not so long ago and it's based on a video so more more than the blog post check out the video it's from a, a conference in in uh, berlin uh, i think and they um th this guy does a really good uh comparison of like why to use when to use react native and when not to and uh, it's like a 45 minute video and highly if you're interested in this i highly recommend watching that we can put it in the show notes but so as a company when do you guys decide to do what do you do anything in web views and if so like when do you decide to make that call it's like let's just make this web view i actually think that's a really good use case for react native so like instead of a web view you could do something like react native and especially if your team's already writing if your web team is already writing react for us we're on Ember, so it's not <laughs> fair. But um, but I mean, because web views are kind of shitty, right? They're 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 always like, oh, we don't have the budget to to build this in native, so we're just going to build something quick. And for instance, um, on LinkedIn, on the flagship app, all our settings are web views, um, just because. Yeah, it's quick. We wanted to make it as frictionless as possible for people to add new settings, and no one wants to add settings, so you know, we just did web views. But I think that would be a good case for React Native because then you could build it, and it would, just, you know, and, and it, you're getting Android and iOS at the same yeah, time. Yeah, and it would be a native experience. Yeah, same same might be true for the login flow for the old authentication. Like that's always kind of a pain, and especially if have, if you have like. As we do in our enterprise enterprise use case to, um, included, it's kind of a lot of work just to just to replicate this flow on every on every client, and like usually you would usually see it just once, right? So it doesn't have to be like perfect, super fast. Um, I think those are really good use cases to go. Yeah, and security based stuff is probably because you don't want to 
it's just like it's so complicated that you know so all of our challenges and captcha and all that stuff is all web views um just because there's enough to do at once <laughs> like no that makes sense yeah yeah because that stuff's like built in pretty easily yeah whereas if you were to include it natively it'd probably be a little heavier yeah huh and i guess the other thing with it that's nice with the web view is it's if you need to make a fix which usually when it's a security issue you need to make that fix quickly and uh, the problem with native a lot of times is quick is not a a word that we <laughs> well, no, <laughs> but it's called swift yeah. but with the web view you can just push that on your own server and it's gonna yeah like, like if, you, if you have a you don't need an app update it's if, that was like my biggest uh, biggest thing for moving from web to ios is like if you have a bug in your app i mean you're you're you have to wait in order to get it pushed, to get it approved by Apple, to get it released, and then you and then and then it's up to people to up to update their apps, right? So I mean, you're you're looking probably at least a week turnaround from the time you fix something too. I mean, but even your web view in Apple, especially if you have something that doesn't fit with the Apple agreements, like the word Android, we the word that. Android, that's a perfect <laughs> in example. Our, in our help center, we had the word Android because it was it was yeah. help center for both. Yeah, iOS and, and Android, they, and they deny. They yeah, they'll deny the app update. So even like, yeah. even though that's through even a web it's already view, there, it's through the web view <laughs> it's being like, shown. It's like they will still deny you the ability to like release your latest app update from that has nothing to do with that little piece of the code. But you might have brand new features. They'll still deny it. Wait, you can't use the word Android. It depends on who you get, right? Yeah. So you can't talk about other platforms. Can't show screenshots of Android devices. It's like Apple centric. It has to be like talking about iOS and Apple specific on the iPhone and like iOS and Mac. So. What Derek was getting at too is that it's like depending on who you get, well, yes, like some people in Apple will let it slide for a long time and then you get some reviewer that may be new to that app, like LinkedIn's app, and might see it and go, nope, this is not going to fly. You've said the word Android and you shouldn't say that here. You could refer to it as mobile, but you can't refer to it as Android and iOS. It's iOS or just mobile. I think there's one guy at Apple that just really loves <laughs> pissing people off. Is it on a Friday too? Like you're like right before the weekend. He's rotating in all the apps. Everybody will get him at least once. Like, oh God, Bill's, <laughs> Bill's on the, <laughs> so, the job. So does that change? Like, I think about this a lot. Like, oh, like with the web, like, oh, I, I, I pushed out something that has a bug. Like, oh, I can just fix that super fast. And we have our daily deployments. Like, oh, I can, I can fix that tomorrow. Does that change your development process? Do, like, do you feel like working in Swift makes you think about developing something more thoroughly? Like, do you think about test cases and edge cases and all that kind of stuff more thoroughly? Because you know like, if there is a bug, you have to like, wait a little bit longer to get it out? Yeah, like definitely. I think that's a huge thing. Um, so now the review times with Apple are like a day, which means the turnaround time might be still like two or three days. But back then it was like a week, sometimes longer, sometimes it was a month, which means like if there is an issue out there, you might not be able to fix it, which means you need to make sure that you should have a really high confidence in your code you just wrote, which would be great if you just write enough tests, right? But then it wasn't always easy with Apple's framework to have all these tests and still like it still requires a lot of time. And But I agree that's, that's a huge point, yeah. I, I, I mean, there's pros and cons. Um, 
obviously the con is getting something into production is a lot slower but the pro is sometimes is is you know when i on web it's like sometimes you can fix something in a very hacky way and that's just like let's just do it and get it pushed out whereas you don't do that i mean because it's usually like because it takes so long that usually that's not the option like it's usually fixed in a hacky way on the back end (laughs) (laughs) but so that's kind of nice that you're you know you you have that uh, a little bit of a defense and uh, you know you don't have to make these quick changes and just push it out that day that that's a really good point like if there is a client-side issue like still backend has to fix it right because we can't (laughs) if there is any way for backend to change something like get us some other data to fix this issue, they would do so and you're kind of, you're kind of fine. You have like another week to do so. Yeah. Um, that's that's for sure, that's a good point. So I think an interesting thing with, because Swift is a new language and you know whether you're starting out from scratch where you've never learned a language before or obviously a lot of, even Derek and Stefan, you've both coming from other languages. What advice do you give people that want to learn Swift? What are some things, like where are some places that they can learn, some advice that you'd give to get them jumping in and learning Swift? For me, like if you already if you already did some development, being it on Android or iOS, like if you only did Objective-C so far, for me, always, the language is always the smaller part, right? It's actually super easy to jump into a new language, especially if it's like Swift, it's super easy to learn and to write and to read. Um, so I guess there are like lots of really, really good resources online, like online education platforms you could use. Um, Apple's own documentation is usually really, really good. And I think like it shouldn't be a big deal to just learn a new language. People are sometimes maybe scared to to try it because it's, they don't know the language yet. But I think it's like you can learn it within days or a week. You're pretty good that you could just go write code and then you will write or you will learn while, 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 while doing it. Awesome. Derek, you have any advice, especially coming from the JavaScript community to writing Swift? Yeah, I think like Stefan said, I mean, um, I have a couple picks uh, for, for some additional resources, but just jump in and, and do it. I mean, I think the hardest part for me anyway was just dealing with the Apple, Apple ecosystem, not necessarily the language itself, just all the intricacies and like nuances of Apple's frameworks. And um, so that can be difficult, but yeah, I, yeah, like Stefan said, Apple has a lot of good resources, especially for Swift uh, out there. So They're pushing it hard. Definitely you can see it outside of the ecosystem. Apple is like putting a lot behind Swift, which is great. So it's not something that's going to just die and fizzle out. It's like, it's and you can And like I mentioned earlier, you can write server-side Swift. So like if you don't want to build iOS apps, you can just write Swift um, and... You know, maybe that'll take off, maybe it won't, but it's just, it's, if nothing else, a good way to get into it and try something out, you know, you can write essentially basically an express version of Swift. Uh, so. Pretty cool, yeah. And so, there is, there is, I'm sorry, there's uh, always the community, right? Like I feel like community regarding anything you want to do for Apple is great. Stack Overflow, every answer, there's already Swift code for it. There was already like two years ago for most answers. So the community was really, really fast in supporting it, picking it up. The best way to earn reputation points on Stack Overflow right now is to <laughs> rewrite the question from Objective C to Swift. Yeah. <laughs> Which I'm sure that's a ton of questions right now. So as we wrap up the episode, each episode we like to share picks of things that we've found interesting and like to share with the listeners. Let's go around the table and share today's picks. Stacy, you want to start it off? Sure. So I don't have any picks with Swift because I don't know that language and I've never built anything with that. But... I will give a pick that's related to, to web development. So um, earlier this week, I tried to get uh, linting set up with our 
a repo with styled components. And so I got that hooked up, and which is really super exciting. Um, hopefully that'll help everybody like write better CSS with our style components. Um, and it's um, basically the stuff that was provided by this, the creators of style components. So it's StyleLint processor style components. So there'll be a link to that in the show notes. Um, it worked really well. Uh, the second pick I have is a song by Maya Jane Coles called Week. Um, I'm not a big fan of uh, house music, but she kind of does more like tech house or deep house. What I like about her is that she kind of writes and produces and engineers and arranges and mixes and does all the things, even does some of the like artwork on her, uh, her albums. Um, and I really like that song. So Awesome. Jim, what do you have? I've got a few picks. First pick is I too suffered from poor Wi-Fi in my apartment, even though it's like not that big. It's just, I think it's just a lot of signals. So. I went with a company called Plume. They're based in somewhere in Silicon Valley. But essentially, instead of like one massive router and a bunch of mesh, it's just like a bunch of mesh points and they all talk to each other. It's not as fast as Ryan's like Amplify, like on pure speed, but for latency, it's like one of the lowest on the market. And it's just a cool app. Uh, I've had a few issues, but like the idea I think is really solid. It's just you plug into a light socket in your room and like you plug a pod in every kind of room that you want solid connection. It just, it all connects and optimizes itself. It's really cool. Second pick is actually a music pick. Um, it's by Injury Reserve. Uh, the song's called TTKTV. One of my favorite songs like of this year. And it's like, I don't know, it has a lot of movement to it. It changes, it drops out on you. And just, it's really unexpected. It was like, it hit me from my uh, Spotify weekly playlist on the way to work. And I was like, this is an amazing song. It's like seven minutes. It's pretty solid. And I wanted a Swift pick. So um, my pick is actually going to be Gulliver's Travels, the book by Jonathan Swift. Uh, it's a good read. You know, you guys should all picked it up but some nobody's laughing in this room it's very disappointing i was waiting i'm like why is the name swift it's like jonathan yeah, swift like yeah, that's amazing that was, that was it but there's like okay yes yeah, this is great podcast but no one can see the reaction there's nobody in the room is laughing i, I didn't want to interrupt i was no, like just, but no yes. it's okay it's like his you feel the swift <laughs> but that's it for me derek what do you have so my first couple are uh, uh Swift resources. So um, I highly, if you have an iPad, Swift Playgrounds is really cool. Um, I actually don't, but my wife does. And I've tried it out, and so it's a really good way to learn Swift. Um, it's actually geared, I think, towards like high school or maybe even younger. But you can, I mean, get the basics out of it. You can also just play around, and it has a compiler on it, and does everything you could do on Swift Playgrounds. So. Um, that's cool. And a podcast that I listen to is Swift Unwrapped. It's with JP Samard and Jesse Squires, who works at Instagram. Um, it's really, they're, I think they're only on like episode 20, but really informative. Um, highly recommend checking them out if you're interested in Swift. Uh, and then my other two unrelated um, Swift picks is uh, actually went to, I was drugged to, I'll just say, a play, a drag to a play called The Curious Incident of the Dog in the Nighttime. But I really, really, really liked it. Uh, it was, it was, I was pre- pleasantly surprised, but it's all about a autistic uh 12 year old i think or eight year old uh somewhere around there and he is it's the stage is like basically all inside of his head and um so it's like super fast paced but also very easy to follow it's it's really good and then my last pick is um a beer that we were just chatting about so if you're familiar with 21st amendment they have a brand new sour beer and i actually think that maybe it's going to be hard to find because it was like a limited release thing but if you can get if you do see it in a store definitely pick it up and send it to us please yeah, it's called, yeah send it to us <laughs> Uh, me. Uh, <laughs> it's called Watermelon Funk, and it's their higher hell watermelon beer, which is one of my favorites, especially in the summertime. And um, they've made it into a sour, so it's called Watermelon Funk. 
All right, my picks. Yeah, let's start with some Swift resources. Um, one blog I'm following I really like is Natasha the Robot. Um, I think Derek, you you, you know about it. Um, it's really good. Just subscribe to their emails. It's really really nice updates of whatever is happening in Swift right now. Not right now, whatever the latest changes from Swift from Apple. Um, there is even an upcoming conference in New York we will be to, and another one in Japan later on. Um, another thing is a course, like it was actually my course I took for Swift 1 or Swift 2 a while ago. It's from Simon Allardyce and it's on LinkedIn Learning. Um, if you guys already have a LinkedIn Premium account, you can access this course. It's great. It's a really, really good resource. And yeah, my third pick isn't Swift related. I have been to the sandwich place, which is called Turner's Kitchen yesterday. It's right near Dolores Park in San Francisco. If you guys are around the San Francisco area, you should definitely go there and check it out. The sandwiches are just delicious, really, really good. Great, I um, actually have not tried that and I want to. I've, it's on my list of ones to try, so that's good. I have three picks uh, today. I've been listening to a podcast called The Pitch. It's a really cool podcast that in each episode they follow like entrepreneurs pitching their startup ideas to investors. And it's a great way to hear the types of questions that investors ask about the startup. And also it's kind of a cool way to find out about new products. So I highly recommend listening to that. It's uh, got picked up by Gimlet Media, I think by their second, they're on their like second season and like Gimlet Media puts out a lot of really cool podcasts. My second pick is actually a conference for Angular, uh, which I don't write a lot of Angular these days, but it caught my attention because they have a ton of female speakers and it's NG Atlanta. So it's a Angular conference in Atlanta. I believe it's in January of 2018. And there's more female speakers than there are male speakers. And I don't think I've ever seen that in a conference. So to me, that was huge to, to really see that they care about diversity. So highly recommend that conference. Uh, hopefully it does really well. It's the first one they're putting on. For the past couple of days, I've also been using an app on iOS to track my phone activity to really understand what I'm doing on my phone. And I've been using this app called Moment on iOS and it tracks all the apps and like how much time I spend on my phone. It's kind of scary to see how much time I spend on social media like Twitter and Instagram, but it's really cool. I'm gonna, I've been using it for a few days now and I will continue to use it to really see what my activity is. Before we end the episode, I want to thank Stefan for being a guest. Thank you for joining us and really like helping us understand Swift. Uh, it was a pleasure having you. Where can people find you? Yeah, thank you for having me. Uh, it was great to be with you guys. Yeah, I do have Twitter. I'm not the biggest Twitter user yet, but I'm trying to get there. Um, so you can find my, my Twitter handle is sust, S-U-S-T-8-6, um, just a random number. And you can always add me on LinkedIn or any other social platform you would be able to find me. So LinkedIn's probably a good one, right? Like you you kind of got to push that I one. I hear you're really big on Yelp too. <laughs> I'm trying to get big on Yelp. Yeah. <laughs> I'm struggling. <laughs> Thank you all for listening to today's episode. If you've been enjoying the podcast, please help us out by letting others know about the podcast and leave a review on iTunes or Google Play. Let us know how we're doing. Any last words for the end of the podcast? Xcode. I love Xcode. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.